Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Hello, hello, everybody. Thank you for waiting a couple extra hours this morning to get this mini episode up. I've had a very busy past few days, and yesterday I just had a ton of fun. I got a little bit of work done with India in the morning, finishing up the episodes that are going to be up for you in One week today, by the way, if you are listening to this on Friday, next Friday, the first episode of Still Learning with India Oxenberg will be released. I am in that episode a little bit. The first episode is just, oh, I've listened to it so many times and I still don't get sick of it. It's so, so powerful and so good. But anyway, that isn't even what I was getting at, but... I got some work done in the morning, and then yesterday I went out to lunch with Max's parents, and they gave me my late birthday present because I haven't seen them in about a month, and then we went to a Dodger game, and it was an absolute blast, and we were out very, very late, so there was no way I was going to be able to get home and finish this bad boy up then. And I also am doing something a little bit different with this week's mini episode because I wanted to react to some of the clips that came out from Prager University. I'm going to get into this in the second topic of today's episode. And those are going to be the videos that are shown in Florida schools now. It's something that Ron DeSantis just passed. And since I had to download all those clips and things like that, I did that on Wednesday and recorded that segment early. And this first segment you are hearing... Friday morning, August 11th, before it goes out. So I kind of have like a both past and present clip situation going on here. And yeah, I'm all over the place, but it's going to turn out great. And before I get into the bulk of the episodes, I will just remind you all again, oh so kindly, that if you would like to further support the show and get more content, you can join me on Patreon at patreon.com slash angryneighborhoodfeminist, where you can join the Angry Feminist Book Club for $5 a month. Or you can join the $7 Feminist Faves level if you want to be part of the book club, get these episodes ad-free, get them a little bit early most of the time, and sometimes get some bonus stuff. You'll definitely want to be part of the Feminist Faves group. It's super fun. And I really appreciate the support that you're able to give me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so the first topic that I wanted to bring up today was that horrific brawl that we all saw occur in Montgomery, Alabama on these docks. I mean, I'm saying we all saw this because this video went viral and it's turned into a bunch of memes and TikTok videos and 
all sorts of stuff. But I really wanted to look into more of the events and I learned a lot along the way while I was looking into what happened the other day. So this past weekend, a fight broke out when a group of white boaters at Riverfront Park in Montgomery, Alabama, attacked a black boat captain. The whole thing was captured on video, and three of the people in connection to the attack have warrants out for their arrest. I do think I saw that there was another woman who either has a warrant out or has been found. This was someone who was kicking the man literally while he was down and spitting on him. It is disgusting. All three men have been asked to turn themselves in, and it has been discovered that they are not residents of Montgomery. One of the men turned himself in as of Wednesday, August 9th, and none of these men, however, have been nor will they be charged with a hate crime, which makes no sense to me. And I know that people are pushing for that to be changed, but just from what I read in the articles, it kind of seems like the police don't really want to go about it that way. I don't know. The fight began when the group of white boaters docked a pontoon in an area designated for larger riverboats. The captain of the riverboat, called the Harriet II, was attempting to redock after an outing with 27 passengers and was unable to do so because the pontoon was in the way. So he attempted to call the owners of the pontoon for 45 minutes over the public announcement service, telling them to please move their fucking pontoon. Although I'm sure he just said, please move your pontoon so the riverboat can park in its spot, please. I'm sure he didn't use the F word. (laughs) When the white men finally came back to the dock, they responded with, quote, gestures, curse words, and taunting. The co-captain of the Harriet, Damien Pickett, took a ride on a small boat to get to the dock so he could talk with the men. When Damien, who is a black man, tried to move the pontoon just slightly out of the way in order to allow the Harriet to dock, the owners of the pontoon confronted him and began attacking him. Several members of Harriet's crew came to Damien's defense, resulting in the brawl that was seen all over social media. Video shows one of the white men punching Damien, who had been jumped on and was being beaten by the other white boaters, one of which appears to have him in a headlock. Other angles of the attack show another black man, who was also a staff member of the Harriet, jump off the riverboat and swim to the dock to defend Damien. As he did so, black bystanders joined them on the dock. The police have identified one of the men that came to Damien's rescue, and his name is Mr. Gray, and he was recorded hitting a white man with a folding chair. This man has become an icon. Mr. Gray, you are a legend, and this podcast is now a Mr. Gray fan podcast, and the merch is all going to be folding chairs. Police Chief Albert has told the media that along with Damien, an unnamed 16-year-old white male who went to help Damien on the dock, was also attacked by the white pontoon owners. Chief Albert stated that Damien was taken to the hospital Saturday night for his injuries, but he didn't know of anyone else who had needed or received hospice care. The multiple videos taken of this attack went viral on TikTok, like I said, and people have created cartoons, songs, and even live reenactments of this event. But some other users have noted that the dock in which this event took place was the same dock where enslaved Americans arrived by steamboat to be sold in the center of town. And it just adds another layer to this racist, evil attack. 
Though the men who attacked Damien were not from Montgomery, Alabama, this event brings up a lot of memories from the city's very racist roots. The state of Alabama as a whole played a substantial role in the domestic slave trade until the Civil War. In the mid-1800s, thousands of enslaved people were transported by steamboats and railroads from New Orleans up the Alabama River to Montgomery. Many of the railroads themselves were constructed by slave labor. The enslaved would arrive on Montgomery's riverfront, where they were chained together and paraded down Commerce Street toward the auction where they would be sold. And the thousands of enslaved people working in the cotton fields of Alabama at the time put the United States as the main supplier of cotton to the world economy. So Alabama, and even specifically Montgomery, was in charge of all of the cotton in the world, essentially. Montgomery was also once called the Cradle of the Confederacy because in 1861 it briefly served as the capital of the Confederate States of America. This included 11 states that seceded from the Union after Abe Lincoln was elected president. These states joined together in Montgomery in February of 1861 to officially establish their own government, but they moved the capital that May to Virginia, where it remained. On the flip side of all of this, Montgomery was the birthplace of the civil rights movement. The Montgomery bus boycott and the Selma March are two major events that occurred in Montgomery at the time. It has been nearly 60 years since a white supremacist bombed the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama, killing four black girls. It has been 68 years since Rosa Parks and others led the Montgomery bus boycott, and 73 years since the last documented lynching in Montgomery. Yet, blatant acts of racism persist to this day. From my perspective, I could not help but see the resemblance of the hundreds of lynchings that occurred in Montgomery from 1877 to 1950 and how that's not gone away. Yet somehow the media refuses to call it what it is and the police and other law enforcement refuse to label it as a hate crime. What is the harm in calling it what it so obviously is? A modern day lynching, a hate crime a mob of privileged white supremacists taking their power over a black man, over a fucking boat spot. And I feel like my anger here is really going to lead us well into my next segment of conversation. But let's take a quick commercial break. And when you get back, you're going to be hearing Madigan from Wednesday. It's a little weird. I'm sorry. (laughs) Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so here is Madigan from Wednesday. Such a weird thing I'm doing, but like I hopefully mentioned in the beginning of the episode, 
this is just how it's going to better work for me today. I am going to get into the second topic now of this week's mini episode. So the Florida Board of Education issued a new set of standards for African-American history instruction in Florida public schools, along with a bunch of other (laughs) interesting instruction standards for schools. And they are going to begin using videos from Prager University. And while Prager may sound like an educational institution of some sort, it is not, in fact, a university. PragerU is an American advocacy group and media organization that creates content promoting conservative viewpoints and was founded in 2009 by Alan Estrin and talk show host Dennis Prager. According to Wikipedia, quote, Despite the group's name being an initialism for Prager University, it is not an academic institution and does not confer degrees. PragerU videos give false information, including promoting that climate change is not real, inaccurate claims on slavery and racism in the United States, immigration, the history of fascism, as well as anti-LGBTQ plus politics. In 2015, Prager University developed two partnership programs in order to get their videos shown in public and private schools, calling this PragerU's educator program. This program supplies teachers with lesson plans and study guides to accompany these videos. And Florida has now become the first state to accept PragerU as an official education vendor. The Florida Board of Education released a statement saying that Prager University, quote, aligned with the state's revised civics and government standards. So what I decided to do was go on YouTube and watch a few of these videos. And I did get this idea from Matt the 14th on Instagram. If you don't follow him, which I'm sure a lot of you do, I post his shit all the time on Instagram. He is amazing. But I made a selection of a few clips that I took from these videos, but I'm going to insert them now and I'm going to give you some of my reactions as we listen to these and you can just hear how preposterous a lot of these videos are as well. So let's get into these examples. Masculinity is not about having the biggest muscles or the best mustache. And despite what some confused people think, masculinity is not toxic. Okay, I just really wish that everybody would understand that we do not believe that masculinity in and of itself is toxic. Toxic masculinity is more of like a way of behaving that is stereotypically associated with or expected of men and not necessarily just being a man in and of itself. And it's how those actions negatively impact both men, women, and the society as a whole. It took masculinity to defeat Nazi Germany in World War II. I'm sorry, what? It took masculinity to mine coal and keep America's own warm. And it takes masculinity to have a solid family and a strong country today. Now, I would like to argue that masculinity didn't exactly do all of those things. You could say that mostly men worked those jobs, but maybe you could also mention the fact that women weren't allowed to fight for the country and weren't allowed in those jobs because they were deemed too dangerous for women. You can't have it both ways. So grow up and be a man. Yeah, be a man, not a little mouth. Noted. 
Real masculinity is about becoming independent in a healthy way. It means becoming a strong person who's able to think for yourself and take responsibility for your life. Okay, that I don't mind. Because let's face it, it's a lot easier to shirk responsibility, mooch off of others, and cling to codependent relationships. But that's not being a man. That's being a wuss. Way to ruin it. Number two, be strong. Deep down, every man wants to be strong. And it can go too far. Oh, please tell me more. Use your strength in useful ways like manual labor, self-defense, or saving the damsel in distress. I'm a damsel. I'm in distress. I can handle it. Hercules, anybody? And be generous. Don't make a girl pay for her own meal. And when you're eating, mind your manners. Okay, this one's driving me crazy because the incel community is like, it should all be equal. It should be fair. Women shouldn't be relying on men to pay for their dates and all this kind of stuff. And you know what? I think that each couple should have that conversation and see what each other is most comfortable with when it comes to payment and things like that. I totally don't think that it should be completely on the onus of the man in a heterosexual relationship to always be taking care of the tab. But at the same time, then, you can't be making these videos telling men to do it. This is just some hypocrisy, and it's confusing them. Now that we've listened to Prager University's views on masculinity, let's see what they think about femininity, shall we? In this first clip, there are these two women talking, and one of them is literally saying, I'm not like other girls and all this other stuff. And this is the friend's response. But don't you think men are toxic? Oh, yeah. Then why are you trying to be like one? I'm so sick of this one, to be honest. This has been used since the era of the suffragettes and before. No, feminists are not trying to be men. We are not trying to even be treated like men, whatever the fuck that even means. If I hear one more person say, oh, you want to be treated equally, then I can hit you in the face. No, violence, one, is never the answer. And why is violence so tied to masculinity? Hmm. Most gender stereotypes exist because they reflect the way that men and women are naturally different. And those differences aren't bad. Men and women complement each other and create a well-balanced family and community. So don't let anyone tell you it's bad to fit stereotypes. Those people are just trying too hard to be cool. No, those people just want you to make the best choices for yourself. And also, this heteronormative bullshit is driving me up a fucking wall. Embrace the idea of being a wife or a mother and allow yourself to stay at home to raise your children. If it's the right choice for you and your family, it's a wonderful opportunity. On the other hand, don't feel guilty if pursuing a career is the right choice for your family. I appreciated that you added in the career choice option there, but I bet you still want us to stay home with our kids most of the time, don't ya? One of the most beautiful things God has created is a woman's smile. It can fill a room with energy and joy. Just try smiling and see how it affects the people around you. It's hella messy, so let's listen to it. Often see how that affects the people around you. Don't be a crusty old man. There's nothing feminine about that. <laughs> Adam Sandler, what are you doing here? <laughs> so dumb. Don't expose parts of your body that would send the wrong message about who you are. And use social media in a way that dignifies you as a woman. In other words, cover up or it'll be your fault if somebody assaults you. And now that was just a little bit of the femininity video, but now I want to get into one where it's entitled Mateo Supports 
Blue, I think. It's something like that. Mateo supports the police force in Los Angeles, but it gets into the Black Lives Matter movement and George Floyd and... Then, in May 2020, George Floyd, a black man who resisted arrest and was held under the knee of a police officer, died while in custody. Activists claimed that the police were targeting the black community and purposefully killing unarmed black men. So with the way this is stated, it's clearly misbelieving that police are targeting black men in some way. It's making this idea sound preposterous, like it cannot be true. As the false claims of racial targeting spread, so did the anger and violence. When Officer Suarez asked Mateo how he felt about what he had seen on TV, Mateo admitted that he felt sorry for Mr. Floyd's family, but he couldn't understand why rioters seemed to think that destroying other people's property helped the family feel better. That one is just really upsetting because it is playing into this really dangerous narrative that we have that is a white supremacist narrative that our police force is not systemically racist, that we do not have a major problem with police brutality against Black men and women, against Black trans women in particular as well. And the fact that they are teaching children all of this is so upsetting to me because to me it is teaching a lack of empathy and it's not teaching history properly. It's just lies. This next clip is about two cartoon kids who go back in time to meet Christopher Columbus. And we need to learn about you. We live 500 years from now and there's a holiday for you, but it's really controversial and we're confused. Nice! I have a holiday? Well, caramba! I should! I've worked so hard to get to this point, and what I just accomplished was insane! There are a lot of people in our time upset about how you acted once you found all these amazing things in these new lands. Ah, that's right. You said I'm controversial. You have no idea. Prepare yourself for something wild. I asked why, and they told me about the Caribs, who are vicious, warring cannibals. Cannibals? Like they eat people. See. Whoa. Right? Just so we're all on the same page, this is Columbus's justification for slavery. So, these people in your time who think it was a peaceful paradise are misinformed. Or lying. I don't think anyone was trying to say it was peaceful. I think they were pretty fucking pissed that you tried to take their land, homie. Yeah, but what about slavery? You didn't deny that. Yeah, Chris, what do you have to say about that? Deny? No. Slavery is as old as time and has taken place in every corner of the world, even amongst the people I just left. Being taken as a slave is better than being killed, no? I don't see the problem. Well, in our time, we view slavery as being evil and terrible. Ah, magnifico. That's wonderful. Come again? I am glad humanity has reached such a time. But you said you're from 500 years in the future? How can you come here to the 15th century and judge me by your standards from the 21st century? For those in the future to look back and do this is, well, estupido. And I think Christopher Columbus, as well as this terrible voice actor and his accent, is estupido. So good and bad is based on the time you live in? That is a great question. I told you I knew you were smart. 
Some things are clearly bad, no matter when they happen. Like slavery, rape, and murder? But for other things, before you judge, you must ask yourself, what did the culture and society of the time treat as no big deal? Not everyone can time travel as you do and see how normal becomes very not normal. Y'all should know how tired of this argument I am. There have been good, kind, morally just people throughout time, throughout history. So don't give me that bullshit. Some things are, some things aren't. Sounds complicated. It is. And so is life. And history can be too. If people in your time want to celebrate me for being a perfect hero, then they are very mistaken. Only my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is perfect. And I hope to spread his teaching to all the lands I find that don't know his name. This is being taught in public schools. <laughs> but if people in your time want to celebrate the guts I had to get this journey approved, start it, survive it, and get back to tell about it, well, that seems pretty good for any time and age. I think you're right. Thanks for answering our questions, Mr. Columbus. I almost feel like these videos were made personally for Donald Trump. <laughs> Does anyone else feel that way? Okay, well, I was going to end it with those clips there until I saw Leo and Layla went to visit Frederick Douglass, and uh, this one is upsetting as well. Let's listen to a few clips from that one. How can there be slavery in America when the founding fathers said that all men are created equal? Yeah, and I've heard that some of those founding fathers owned slaves. What about that? Children, our founding fathers knew that slavery was evil and wrong. And they knew that it would do terrible harm to the nation. They wanted it to end, but their first priority was getting all 13 colonies to unite as one country. The southern colonies were dependent on slave labor, and they wouldn't have joined a union that had banned it. Are you okay with that? I'm certainly not okay with slavery. But the Founding Fathers made a compromise to achieve something great, the making of the United States. Our Founders created a system they thought would have slavery end gradually. There's something really icky about Frederick Douglass essentially being like, hey, I get it. They couldn't just abolish slavery all at once. It's totally fine. Makes me feel really icky inside. And I want to show you another clip. If you all will remember the episode where Keegan and I lost our absolute minds over loving William Lloyd Garrison so much. Well, if you'll remember from that episode, Garrison and Frederick Douglass had a bit of a falling out. They worked together as abolitionists, but they wanted to go about things in different ways. And in this clip, Frederick Douglass throws some, uh, some major shade toward Garrison's way and, in my opinion, kind of bends history from what actually happened. Have you kids heard of William Lloyd Garrison? No. Nope. Yeah, why are we not teaching about William Lloyd Garrison in schools? He's an abolitionist like me. And he and I used to be friends, but we aren't any longer. We don't agree how to solve problems. William refuses all compromises, demands immediate change, and if he doesn't get what he wants, he likes to set things on fire. Sounds familiar. Sounds like you know the type. Yeah, we've got that type in our time. Also, how dare you use Frederick Douglass to shame the protesters during the year of 2020 when we were out there begging 
for some sort of change when it comes to police violence against black people in America. To have Frederick Douglass be the one to chastise the protesters is really, really icky. Later on in the clip, they ask Frederick Douglass whether or not they should listen to activists or want to be activists. And Frederick Douglass is like, Yes, but you should only follow the activists that stay within the confines of our like laws or government or whatever and not cause property damage and all of this kind of stuff and throws more shade toward our boy, William Lloyd Garrison. And I'm sure all of you feel the same as me in that it just seems, like I said, more than icky, truly, to be using one of America's most well-known Black historical figures who did so many amazing things for the rights of the enslaved, for the freed Black men, and for our country to make him seem like this passive person that was okay with the fact that the Founding Fathers owned human beings for labor and that he was okay with a compromise and a slow evolution of getting rid of slavery is just not true. And the fact that there are children who are going to be learning untrue history about our country just doesn't seem fair. It's not even that it's just morally wrong. It doesn't seem fair to be teaching incorrect history. So now that I've given you a bit of an idea about what could potentially be shown in Florida's classrooms, I would love to hear your responses. Do these seem as ridiculous to you as they do to me? What are your fears about how this could affect kids in Florida and potentially kids in other states as well? If this is something that's going to be picked up by teachers, I can already imagine the number of homeschool kids that are already learning this kind of stuff on a daily basis. I can't imagine what it's going to be like once they begin infiltrating all of our schools as well. And it's indoctrination. That's all it is. There is so much dangerous misinformation in these videos that could potentially be so unbelievably harmful for our future that I cannot believe that this is somehow being passed as an educational tool when it wasn't created by educators. I want out of this simulation now, please. All right, we're back to Friday, Madigan, now to close out this episode. Oh, man, a lot of things to make you angry this week. Am I right? Well, before we go, I do want to remind you one more time that Patreon is there for you. If you would like to give a little extra support to the show and get a little extra content in return, you can join the Angry Feminist Book Club for $5 or join the Feminist Faves Group for $7. I cannot wait for all of you to finally hear Still Learning, the new show that's coming out next Friday. I have been working so hard on it. I am going to continue to be working very hard on it all through this week, so it's ready. And I'm so glad that it's finally going out into the world. And thank you to everyone who has been so excited about the new show and supportive. I couldn't do any of this without all of you amazing listeners. And I truly truly love each and every one of you so much. I'm so thankful and I just can't say it enough. 
If there's anything that you want me to cover in the future, whether it be on the news episodes or in one of the full episodes, please email me at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com to let me know. Or you can DM me on Instagram at angry neighborhood feminist. All right, that's everything I have for you today. With all of that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Bye. Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.